Well, welcome to Gorilla Discipleship. My name's Kevin Baker. I'm your host. And uh, I want to continue to talk about why the church in America, the church in the West, is going to have to do some radical shifting in order to continue to be useful in fulfilling the Great Commission to reach lost people, help them to understand the love of God, and see uh, the, the harvest that God, that Jesus invited us to work for. In fact, he commanded us to work for. We're here, the whole purpose of the church is to worship and praise God and to be obedient to him as he builds his kingdom on earth through us, in us, and around us. And, um, and so we are losing effectiveness as a, a, a model of how to be the church. And we, we've got to not be frightened to think and rethink. In, in fact, we never created the, the whole idea of church in the beginning. So let's go back to the scriptures and re-look at what Jesus did. Let's stop doing what's been done for a long time and make sure that what we are doing lines up with what Jesus invited us to do. So we're just rethinking all of that because we've got to be the generation that begins the shift so that the next generation and even those generations in existence right now will begin to feel the touch, the power, uh, the peace, and the amazing forgiveness of the gospel. So I want to talk about some hot topics today. I, I, I want to begin to show you how moving to a disciple-making model as opposed to a church attractional model uh, will really help us in terms of reaching into the culture today. It's more biblical. What I want to argue with you this morning is that what I'm about to say is more biblical than what we've been doing. And, uh, and it just, what we've been doing isn't working for us. And so we've got to, we've got to deal with this. Uh, Oakdale Church, the church that I serve, in fact, for over 30 years, I've been a pastor in the United Methodist Church, and we've been dealing with uh, all kinds of struggles. And uh, one, we're about to divide as a denomination. Every mainline denomination in the U.S. has divided. And what are the, one of the sources, one of the core issues, it's not really the core issue, but the, the, the core issue that, that is presented is around the issue, for instance, of, um, of homosexual persons, the LGBT community, and what are we going to do there? How, how do we, and, and there are folks who are saying, um, there's the theological debate, which is really the core debate, right? The core debate, in my opinion, is can we say with any kind of um, confidence that the scripture is clear that the practice of homosexuality is not what God wants, that God is opposed to, he, he is not in favor of. However you want to word it, I, I'm not trying to be cruel, I'm just trying to get clear here. Does the Bible say that, um, that the practice of homosexuality is, is not compatible with Christian teaching? Well, now, my position is that it does. Other positions are that it does not. But I want to just strip that back for a second, and, um, and I want to begin to talk about even how we approach this. Because in the Western model of Christianity, where we have been converting to disciple, now this is a, cre a critical and key, key principle. We want to convert people. In fact, the old style of evangelism is we go out and, uh, and we try to convince people by one means or another to say yes to Jesus, right? We want them to say yes to Jesus. And what do we, what do we mean by that typically? Well, what we typically mean by that 
is that we want them to agree that Jesus is the Savior of the world, that he died on the cross to save us from sins, and that we need to turn our lives over to him. I agree with all of that, but it's not the model Jesus used. That's the startling thing. This idea that, that when you begin to hear the gospel, when you begin to be uh, someone witnesses to you or whatever, however you want to phrase that, you come to a church uh, and, and there's an altar call. The idea is come up, lay your life down and pick up Jesus's life. That is a necessary part of, of discipleship. There is no doubt. But Jesus, in some ways, never asked people to do that all in one fell swoop. And here's what I mean by that. If you look at Jesus, what he asked people to do was to choose to obey what he was commanding them in the moment. You're not going to find a time where Jesus said to people, if you believe that I am the Savior of the world, if you believe that I have, uh, and of course, when he was still talking, he hadn't died for people's sins, but if you believe all of these truths, that I'm the one that was to come, then you must basically completely change everything you're doing and become a new person right now. Now, follow me on this because this gets a little complicated. Jesus would talk to people and he would give them one thing to obey. Hey, come follow me. Leave what you're doing and follow me. There's a, there's a command. Jesus gave that all the time. Leave what you're doing and come follow me. That didn't mean that they changed everything that they were thinking or everything about themselves. They just were like, yeah, I'm going to follow you today. And then he might confront them with one particular thing about them that they needed to change. The rich young ruler came up to ask Jesus a question. Jesus didn't go to him and say, by the way, I saw here that you, the rich young ruler came up to Jesus because the spirit of God was at work in this rich young ruler. And he said to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered the question in a very typical Jesus way. And if you remember the story at first, the man was very, very happy. Oh, I've done all these. And Jesus said one more thing, because Jesus could see where the man needed to work in that moment. And so he said one more thing, sell all that you own and come and follow me. And the man walked away because he had a lot of wealth. It was the one thing in that moment keeping him from following Jesus. Now, what about this? I wonder what the man's sexual ethics were. I, I wonder how greed, in addition to for money, was impacting his. I wonder if he was a man full of hatred and lacking in mercy. You see, we don't know a lot about this man. I mean, we know some, but the point is that Jesus invites us into a increasing life of obedience. What the church has been doing is that we have been looking at someone and saying, you must get rid of everything. Now, I think what we've been meaning to say is you must be willing to get rid of everything. You must be willing to lay everything down. And that's true. But Jesus rarely said that in that way. He, you know, to the fishermen, he said, come and I'll follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. They had no idea what he was asking of them, but there was sacrifice involved. There was, there's always a sacrifice involved. 
And so Jesus invites us. I can tell you I've been following Jesus now for 40 years and sometimes way better than others. But Jesus, and I did come to Jesus in a moment of saying, Jesus, I am, I'm sort of desperate here and I want to follow you. But did I give up every sin that I had? Did I immediately change every thought pattern that I, no, it's been a process of God helping me. And I think we've forgotten that process, by the way, the church calls sanctification. But here's what we do. We say you must be entirely sanctified in your thinking at the beginning, and then we'll entirely sanctify your thinking as a process over time. What about this? Come to Jesus where you are and let the Holy Spirit work on the process of sanctification there's always got to be something that Jesus is asking me to give up and to move into. It, maybe it's just giving up on my desperation and hopelessness. When Jesus, uh, for instance, uh, was talking to the woman caught in adultery and she was exposed and, oh my gosh, shamed in front of all these people, threatened with life out of justice and religious condemnation. Jesus didn't condemn her. He said to those around, hey, let the one that without any sin throw the first stone. And then he looked at the woman and he said, I'm not condemning you. But then he said to her, go and sin no more. Now, do you imagine that at that moment, she just was freed from every sin? No, even if she obediently began to follow and love Jesus that day, she was going to have a process of getting through her sins. So what I would say to you is that we always, the church in the West has had a history of highlighting certain sins of the day, you know, playing cards, smoking, drinking, whatever it might be. Today, it's the, it's the sin of, of sexual promiscuity, especially uh, LGBTQIA kinds of sexual activity. And I'm not agreeing that those sexual activities are godly. What I am saying is that we need to let the Holy Spirit do the work. Let's invite people to discover God and let's let God speak to them about what needs to be dealt with. What if some of the LGBTQIA people that you know are also... Um, stealing from the place that they work? What if they are also murderers, but you just don't know about that, right? So the reality is that as people come, here's what we do. We invite them to discover God's word, to hear Jesus's voice, and to obey whatever they hear. And I trust that eventually God will speak to every one of us about each one of our struggles and sins but we're going to hear him in the timing that we need to hear him. The model that we've been using of convert, come and believe everything about the gospel, and then we'll help you become that person, is not what Jesus used. Jesus actually used the model of come and follow me. Obey me today in the one thing that I'm asking. And that one thing could be huge. It could be sell all that you own. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, let's invite people into a life of discipleship. 
knowing that a full acknowledgement, a full conversion is on its way as we simply begin to obey Jesus, as we begin to discover who he is. There'll be unbelievable moments of conversion, and there'll be conversion moments all along the way. And we see that in the scriptures. And so let's begin to think about this model. What if someone came to uh, our church and we let's say that we invited them to not, forget coming to the church. We go out and we are prayer walking and we meet someone and we say, uh, hey, would you like to discover uh, what God has to say about hope? And we take them through some passages and they and they say yes and they read and they they're following through everything that we ask them to do. They're reading the scripture and and they're finding, you know, a, a passage about hope. We take them through the story in, in Mark's gospel about uh, the Je Jesus and the disciples out in the boat and almost getting swamped. And Jesus calms the wind and the, the storm, the waves and the storm around them. And and they come up with an, uh, an obedience statement out of that. You know what? I will trust Jesus in the storms in my life. And they do. That week, they have a storm in their life, and they turn to Jesus. Now, in the old model, we would have said, we can't have that conversation with you until you're willing to lay down your LGBTQ lifestyle. And they would have never, so now we're, what we're doing is we're inserting ourselves in the place and in the role of the Holy Spirit. Let's let the Holy Spirit work on each person as the Holy Spirit knows better how to do. I'm not saying we equivocate on sin. I'm not saying if you're having a conversation and basically someone asks you, do you believe that same-sex uh, practice is sinful? Y yes, I do. But that doesn't mean that that's my starting point for every person. My starting point is, do you want to discover more about who Jesus is and how good God is? And that discovery can only happen through your obedience as you read his word and listen to his voice. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will take you to the place where whatever needs to be dealt with, the Holy Spirit will deal with. And you will be brought under conviction, not by a person, but by the power of God's spirit. And as you're brought under conviction and God's inviting you out of, inviting you to turn over another aspect, another part of your life, eventually there's going to be a, a place where you're going to say, this Jesus has my whole life. And I'm willing to sacrifice anything and everything. I mean, after all, we have a lot of folks in our churches today who are not willing to sacrifice anything and everything. And these are people who have come to the altar and said, oh yeah, I've given my whole life to Jesus but not my time, not my money, not my career, not where I live, not my comfort, right? That's the bad. So the reality is that it's been a, 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 an illusion that we've had people just step up to the plate and immediately give everything up for the Lord. We come acknowledging that Jesus is someone that we want to follow and we begin to obey him. And in that pattern of obedience. So what I want to see happen in the church is I want it to, I, I believe for us to begin to be the community that God wants, our community is going to get messier and it's going to get more honest and it's going to get more powerful because as we invite people to be church with us, 
We're going to acknowledge that we're on a journey of obedience. We're going to invite them into a journey of obedience. We're going to begin to talk to one another about how to obey Jesus. That's what the Great Commission says. Teach them how to obey, not just what to obey, not just listing of commands, but how can I obey? How do I give this up? I'm struggling to be able to leave this addiction, this habit, this hang-up, whatever it might be. And we're going to find that in those powerful conversations, we're praying more for each other. We're realizing how little our obedience and transformation has, has taken place. And we're going to come together and rely on the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see God's grace and mercy and the power of God come alive in us. Now, I want to continue to talk about this because I, I think I hopefully have just begun to, to um, scratch the surface of a change that I believe God is inviting us to make. Now, here's what's happening right now. Well, what's happening right now is churches are splitting. In fact, the church is calling each other hateful. Right? I mean, we're, we're calling each other names. One side is claiming to have all the love of God on their side. The other side is saying, well, no, you may have the love of God, but we've got the holiness of God. We've got the, the uh, truth of God. Listen, Jesus didn't come and say, hey, some of you guys be lovers and some of you guys be truth people. Jesus came and he said, I am the life, the way. I am truth and grace. We need both. We cannot divorce grace from truth, but we cannot divorce truth from grace either. God knows that we need both. God knows that I need the truth of the word. And the truth of God is always going to come against some part of my life where I'm not living in the truth. But I need God's grace and mercy and power to live in a new way. And I need God to help me with that. The church is there to support the work of God that's do, that he's doing in my life. People can't transform my life. We can't be argued into transformation. We can't be shamed into transformation. We must be invited into transformation by the only one who can transform us and really the only one who can invite us. Until I want to surrender, any effort at forcing surrender is not the way Jesus it's not the way of Jesus. We need to think more about this. I just wanted to introduce this topic. I'm going to begin to talk about this topic more and more so that we can begin to figure out how to move into our culture with grace and truth. How to be more bold in our invitations for people to come and discover God. Because many of us are, are not inviting because we're afraid of being confronted on the issues of any particular sin. Listen, invite someone in if they say, well, what do you believe about this? We'll say, here, let me show you in the scripture. What do you think about that? And if they disagree, they disagree. We're not here to argue with people. In fact, there are going to be times when Jesus invites us to basically dust kind of brush the dust off our sandals and move on because we're not here to force people into anything. We're here to invite people into a kingdom that's full of truth and love and mercy and grace, a kingdom where they're loved beyond measure, a kingdom where it is full of life and light, not darkness and death. 
So thanks for coming. Thanks today for just allowing me to plant some seeds. I want to ask you out of your obedience today, would you begin to look again at how Jesus invited people to follow? Would you look again in your own heart? Would you ask God to begin to sort this out for all of us, to sort it out for you, for me? We need to pray through this. Go back to the scriptures. Listen to the Spirit. Because if we get this wrong, or if we have been getting this wrong, we're doing a lot of damage in the church right now. So we need to get this right. I don't pretend that I have all the answers, but I, I would say this. I want to propose to you that we need some fresh thinking around this. Let's be the ones that God uses to awaken the people today to the power of God's truth and God's grace. Thanks so much for being here. We'll see you again next week. Mm -hmm.